Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the Card Chronicle podcast, the last Card Chronicle podcast of 2022, unless something insane happens on uh, Saturday afternoon, I guess. But uh, assuming this is the last podcast of 2022, thanks so much to everybody for sticking with us through this year. I know sometimes the posting was sporadic, but uh, we appreciate it. We hope to be better in 2023. But this is the morning of Friday, December 30th, Rivalry Game Eve. We're going to talk a lot about UofL versus UK tomorrow, the general state of Louisville men's basketball. Uh, a little notes on the football side of things. Jeff Brom doing well in the transfer portal, uh, signing day reaction, all that good stuff. We'll take some questions from you as well. But before we do any of that, got to say hello to Danny Sennard up there in Columbus, Ohio. Dan, how's the, the post-Christmas, pre-New Year's blitz up there in Columbus? It's going. Um, I think we're in the stage now where, like, some of the presents that have been unopened, like the kids are just like opening them for no reason. And our house is getting trashed, which is fine. Um, but yeah, successful Christmas. Um, no, like huge meltdowns. I think the kids got mostly what they were asking for. I feel like I've played this. We got a Nintendo switch. I've just been absolutely like digging into Mario Kart against my son to the point where like I think I like it more than he does um <laughs> but yeah other than that things are going well we we like volunteered to have like another family come over on New Year's Eve because we're watching all like the college football games because my wife huge Michigan fan but like we have like kids spending the night on New Year's Eve I'm like what am I doing this was so oh, stupid um but anyways other than that yeah things are going well around here Wait, so you ha- you're having kids over to the house on New Year's Eve? It's like, like a, so like we're having game. we're having like a, a couple families that we know, and like one of the families is just gonna like stay over for the night, and they have three kids. Um, so I, you know, it'll be fun. Like it's not like all kids and just like me and my wife. Like we'll have other adults there, but. Um, yeah, is I, this the couple that took all your money in poker? Uh, no, this is not. Um, that that would be that would be a story. We actually really like the people that are coming. So, um, hope the poker guy's not listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> we actually it's really like, like it's like, yeah, I uh, I don't think yeah I don't think uh, college college sports podcasts are his jam. But um, <laughs> yeah, we're uh, we're looking forward to it. It should be a good time. I just get like. You'll you'll learn this like once John gets older because like Cam's at age eight now, like when the when boys get together from like age like I don't know seven and I'm gonna guess it probably goes until probably like sixteen or seventeen like when they're still in the house, it it, it is absolute the most like chaotic just loud 
obnoxious scene of all time. So um, I, I'm I'm kind of dreading these all boys sleepovers that are coming down the pipe. I can't wait. Can't yeah. wait. Very excited for that. Um, speaking of things that we can't wait for, we are a little bit under or a little bit over 24 hours away from the 2022 installment of the Battle for the Bluegrass and. I I always think about this every year. So on Christmas Day, we drive down to my wife's hometown, which is in Springfield in central Kentucky. And like as you're driving through, you know, kind of you, you know, you're dri- the classic Kentucky scenery on the the side of the roads. It's you know, big hills, like houses in the distance, all that stuff. Like I you usually see UK flags flying, you'll see a few U of L flags flying. But I'm always thinking because the game is always happening a few days after or just a couple of days after uh, Christmas in most years. And when I drive down there, I'm like, oh, here we go. Like belly of the beast, like the game that we're talking about all year long. Like everybody's thinking about it. Everybody's excited for it. Like all these people are probably they, you know, they hate L. Like just here we go. And then we go down and, you know, Mary's uh, her cousins and some of her relatives will come over to the house. And we always end up talking about the game and talking about the state of the basketball programs and, and all that stuff. And this year, it's just, it's so different. Like, like I drove down, I didn't really think about the game at all when we were having Christmas uh, in Springfield. You know, the only time that the game really got brought up, like, like, you know, nobody was even asking me, like, do you think they have a chance to win? It was just like, what's the deal with Kenny Payne? Like, why is this so bad? Is it, is it, you know, the question everybody always asks, like, is he going to last the year? Is he going to, what, what does Josh Hurd do? Like, the only actual conversation that anybody had about the game was my father-in-law and one of Mary's uncles were taking a bet about whether or not Louisville would cover 25 points. And my father-in-law, the UofL fan, said no. And the UK fan uncle was saying yes. <laughs> like, which is a perfect just – this is before the Missouri loss on, uh, on Wednesday night, which is just a perfect, I think, summary of where both fan bases are. Like, Louisville fans are going into this game fully expecting to lose handily. Kentucky fans are going into this game fully expecting to win – but not to win in a manner that changes anything about how pissed off they are that this team isn't better and how pissed off they are about the state of John Calipari and, and his program. It's just I've never I've never felt a buildup like this to this game. I mean, you wake up – I said this on the radio show yesterday. The UofL-UK men's basketball game day, it's one of those days, those few handful of days in the calendar year, kind of like Christmas where you wake up and everything just feels different. Like you've got this – weird mix of, of nervous energy you're excited you've got this like hatred for the other side in your, in your belly like all these different emotions are flooding from the night before through the actual morning through the you know the lead up to the game and this year there's just there's kind of none of that like I'm sure I'll feel feelings when I wake up tomorrow and the game gets closer but it's just kind of this this whole deal where it's been so bad for us and for them it's been not great either, but for us, it's, it's a different animal that you just – you don't feel the same way about this game as you would in, in any other year. Is, am I making any sense at all? Oh, I mean, I, I, I came on here expecting you to ask me, like, what's my excitement level or nervousness level? And, I mean, I'm just being frank. I'm at a zero. Like, I really I, – you know, I honestly I, – if we win, hey, that, that I mean, would it be cool? Of course it would be cool. We beat UK, but it's not going to change, like, the grand scheme of things of the season or the way the program's going right now. First off, I don't think we're going to win. Um, but there's just, like you said, 
there's zero excitement. Um, you know, this is a, this is kind of the way I compare it because I, I did watch UK against Missouri the other night, um, and you know it was kind of fun following the UK fans on Twitter. Remember in remember in high school we had the same geometry class, and we had that really <laughs> hard geometry test, and like we 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 were in the same we had the same teacher the same class but we were in different periods and I remember coming to lunch and I was like oh my god like my test was an absolute an abomination like it was the worst thing i've ever taken and then like <laughs> you came the next day and you're like no you don't understand like you have no idea that was the worst thing ever and i'm like well mine was worse and then like we like came <laughs> we got our grades back it was like i got a 10 percent, and you had a zero I got a zero, zero <laughs> was literally written out on you your write, paper you're like, you like i've got to see you like did he did he write us the numbers zero or did you write out zero and i was like i don't know let me look at it he wrote out zero one of the most vicious things anyone's ever done to me but like that's how i feel like the uofl and uk uk fan bases are right now because quite <laughs> honestly like the uh, at least from my perspective like when uofl sucks like i just haven't totally like you know jumped in or got into college basketball like i do in years past and therefore like i haven't watched a ton of kentucky's game like i watched the missouri game the other night but like i'm still kind of finding out about their team and their players and i have the same i have a theory that uk is kind of like that as well like they're having a disappointing year and yes they see from afar what's going on with louisville but i don't think a lot of their fans like watch our games like in depth and like really know how bad it actually is and they're like well it, it actually might be close so it's like two fan bases competing like against each other like you know uh, whose season could be going off the rails faster so from that standpoint it's kind of fascinating but it, you know from an excitement level going into the game I, I i mean it's so sad how little i really you know and you can call me a bad fan that's fine but i really just i i don't really I'm I'm not going to get up for it is basically what I'm saying. Yeah, I think the the Twitter account, I think it's Ty in Louisville had the perfect meme. One of the, one of the best memes I've ever seen for accurately summarizing a situation this week when after the Missouri game, he had it was the picture of Mel Gibson with Jim Caviezel, the actor who played Jesus in The Passion of the Christ, like sitting <laughs> there on set and Mel Gibson sitting there like plain clothes, he's got like a blue jean jacket and he's got his legs crossed and he's he's clearly talking to Jim Caviezel who is in his full Jesus outfit, drenched in blood, wearing the crown of thorns, looking very tired. And it's like Mel Gibson is UK fan complaining about his team. Jim Caviezel is UofL fans. I mean, you, you don't know the shit that we've been. I was like, oh, no, you're only at like number 23 in the country, and you've, you've got four losses that you didn't expect to have. It's like, talk to us when you're <laughs> getting boat raced by Lipscomb to go to 2 and 10. <laughs> yeah, that's a, seriously. That's a different level of pain. And also when you've kind of had some rough times in the years preceding this. I mean, it's just both sides are angry for different reasons. I think that in a weird way, like any talk that maybe John Calipari was going to go easy on Louisville because his old friend Kenny Payne is is having a tough time, I, I think that that's clearly not going to happen. He's I mean, This has been Calipari's ace in the hole. When things have gone poorly for him early in seasons, he's always had – the way that he's been able to get the fan base back is like I own your rival. Like you know, they we Louisville's had good teams for the most part since he's been here up until recent years. And if they've had a tough loss in November or December, and you know, the fan base is thinking 
we're 11 and 2, we should be 13 and 0. Like Cal Perry always wins them back by owning this game and he's going to he's going to put the the pedal all the way to the floor if he can on Saturday. I don't think it changes that much though. Like if UK beats Louisville by 35, it's it's good for a couple of rivalry jabs and a laugh, but it doesn't really change the the overall season that they're having and quite frankly it doesn't really change anything for us. But if Louisville somehow plays this game like close deep into the second half and they only lose by single digits like that could be the worst loss that Cal Perry's ever had to Louisville yeah like, like, he he is on the verge like the fan base has never been more mad at him than they are right now which is an interesting setup for this game and are you ready for my big grand conspiracy theory are you, are you ready to hear this let's hear it so Kenny Payne's a great coach he's not a bad coach he knows what he's doing he walks into the situation with the NCA hanging over Louisville, and he knows he knows when nobody else does that he can't get DJ Wagner, he can't get Rob Livingston, he can't get Aaron Bradshaw, he can't get these five star kids. But there's only one route to make it happen. He has to be historically bad to start his season at Louisville, and he is. The Western Kentucky game was a fluke; it wasn't supposed to happen. The only win was supposed to be Florida A and M. He's, he wanted to be 1-12 going into the Kentucky game. He knew that the fans and Calipari are at a little bit of a breaking point. If you talk to any U.K. writer in the world, they'll tell you, like, Calipari, Calipari hates U.K. fans. They, they have no problem letting you know Calipari does not like the fan base. The fan base doesn't really like him that much right now. You're waiting for that one straw that breaks the camel's back for Rome to officially be set on fire and this whole thing to just burn. And that, that one straw would be losing to the worst Louisville team of all time when the fan base is already on edge. Kenny Payne knows this. So, he tanks the season up until the UK game. We're going to play for real on Saturday. We're going to go into Lexington. We're going to pull the biggest upset in the history of this rivalry. That's going to set the fan base officially off. Cal's going to be, he's done with it. He doesn't need this anymore. He's, He's accomplished too much. So, late January, maybe three weeks after the game, we have a Chris Mack situation where there's a mutual parting of ways. When that happens in the middle of the year, guess where all the recruits are going to run to? Guess where DJ Wagner's going? Going to Louisville. Bradshaw, bring him in. Rob Lewis, all these kids, bring him in. And that's how Kenny Payne becomes national championship good in year two when he knew he, could, he had no other avenue. That, that's, that, that's, that's all this has been about, Dan. This has been a grand – he's a mastermind. <laughs> the, the Kenny Payne long play. That would be like the longest play you could ever have. Um, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I definitely think – I mean, it, it's obvious in my mind that that I think Cal has the most to lose in this game, for sure. Because I, I think uh, I think us and Louisville fans have already just kind of dismissed the season, and we're like, you know, hey, it, it is what it is. We know what we are. I don't know how this is going to play out, but you know, we, I don't think we see. Uh, at least I don't like. I, I don't see really any path for huge improvements from this team i mean maybe we'll see like bits and pieces every once in a while but for me the season is already lost unfortunately um i think uk fans are still i mean right now i mean i would say they're probably on the outside looking in to the tournament i mean obviously a long season sec play coming up but um someone tweeted last night i think it was goodman said their best win is yale um, because Michigan, yeah, Michigan, yeah, because Michigan, like Michigan lost, yeah. Last night. So, 
I mean, from that aspect, it's, it is kind of fun to, to see, you know, their fan base and Cal squirm a little bit. It just sucks that we're in the situation that we are right now to where we can't, you know, have fun with it or, or take any sort of advantage of it. That's probably the worst part out of this whole thing is, you know, there was a, a window open for us and, you know, who knows? I mean, next year, obviously, UK has what they have committed and coming in and that could turn on a dime. Um, so it just sucks that, Hey, they still got to play the game, but I, I just don't foresee a situation to where we, we keep this close tomorrow. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day. Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Thank you for just shitting all over my my I, yeah, I know. conspiracy I just, theory. I mean, what do you want me to say? Like, I'm I, trying to have fun for one goddamn minute on the podcast, and you're just, just not refusing to let it's it like, happen. What an absolute theory! <laughs> um, like, let me tell you why. In all seriousness, we're gonna get our asses kicked. I'm aware. I'm, I'm aware of what the like. Then I'm gonna are. get hit by a car after the game. Um, <laughs> we're we're two fifty eight on Ken Pop. I mean, God forbid I have a little bit of fun. We're we're one spot behind Denver, and, and I was Jesus, watching. How did we get here? Oh my god! I was watching the the new season of Last Chance U, which I highly recommend doing instead of watching actual Louisville basketball if you have the ability to do that. And like one of the guys, spoiler, real quickly, fast forward like thirty seconds if you don't want to hear this. One of the guys uh, on the team, he ends up. I found it, you find it out at the end of the season. He gets a scholarship to Cal Poly, and I'm like, oh, you know, Cal Poly is a not great program from the big west they you know let's see what kind of season they're having and they're i'm like they're they're six and six no good wins no you know, you know really kind of some bad losses out there and i checked the net rankings i'm like oh cal poly's 35 spots ahead of us in the net rankings oh my it's god it's just it's such a sad state of affairs i, I mean the like seriously I, I mean like let's just look at this like what are we doing like it it's uh, it's unreal. Every now and then, you sit back and it really hits you just how bad this. Like it's it, it and like everyone's saying it should never be this bad, and like that's obvious. But like, how long can we like go on with this charade that like you know <laughs> this is gonna turn around at some point? Like we've seen nothing. There's no signs. There's no recruiting. There's no improvement in play. Uh, you know the. Not that a quote or anything from like a coach would help, but there's just nothing like you know on the peripheral that says things are going to get better anytime soon. You know, I, I know we don't see what's happening behind the scenes in the athletic department or conversations that are being had, but um, you know, we're, we're we're losing people here. I mean, people are yeah. all I hear is like, hey. You know, what are we going to do with our basketball tickets? You know, now that we got football, you know, that talk's happening. Like, I, I just can't see, you know, who knows what happens tomorrow. But I, I just can't see how this is going to, you know, keep going or end up well. I, I, I'm, I'm like drained, you know, just 
thinking about it and i I, the fact that i'm not even excited for this game says all you really need to say i mean i feel like sometimes listening to things and and hearing things and seeing some of the texts that come into the race i feel like i'm losing my fucking mind when i when i'm i'm hearing something I, I'm, I feel like I'm screaming into a void when I just have to keep like this is Louisville basketball right. for God's sake. Yeah, this is we have. I, I, I've said this a million times at this point. This is a program that is in its 110th season. They have lost 20 games exactly once in 110 years. It was the I guess ironically the 97-98 team that that upset Kentucky when Kentucky went on to win the national title. That's the only time we've ever lost 20 games, and we lost exactly 20 games. We are, unless something changes dramatically, we are in the midst of what you can rationally say is the worst season in the history of Louisville men's basketball. And the fact that there's some people out there trying to paint it pretty or yeah. trying to rationalize the fact that it's happening is, is mind-blowing to me. And let me clarify, I'm not saying that you have to be 100% out on Kenny Payne. You can, you can believe that things are going to get better under Kenny Payne but you still have to acknowledge where we are right now. There's nothing that excuses this. There's nothing that excuses being 2-11, and 11, now staring down 17 ACC games and one game against Kentucky, and not really having much hope of getting above like six or seven wins this year. There's no reason for us to be this bad. And like you said, the biggest problem with right now is there's nothing to latch on to as far as tangible evidence that things are going to get markedly better in the somewhat near future, right? Like all anybody wants right now is some hope. And instead the only hope that's out there is the same hope that we were talking about in the spring and the summer when things were looking a little bit dicey. And that's like the whole trust in KP mentality. You know, the spring happens. We miss out on a couple of five-star recruits. Um, The summer happens. We start missing out on some transfer portal guys. We don't have, you know, we've only got one guard in the roster and the mentality is just trust in KP. He knows what he's doing. He's going to get players. He's going to be fine. It gets later in the summer. We're still not getting players. Trust in KP. He knows what he's doing. It's going to be fine. You get to the fall, the roster's set. You're hearing some not so great things coming out of practice from people who've seen practice. It's trust in KP. He doesn't need the guards. He's got the roster that he wants. We're going to play a different style. Things are going to be fine. Same thing when the season starts and you're losing to Bellerman. Bellerman's a good team. They're going to be fine. Like Louisville's, and, and we're sitting here now halfway through the season with the worst record that any of us have ever experienced, the worst season any of us have ever experienced. We've got, I think Curtis Williams and, and Caleb Glenn can be fine players, our two 2023 signees, but they're not the type of one-and-done lottery pick difference makers that we were told we were going to get, you know, the transfer portal was a gigantic swing and miss. We're going to have to rely on that next spring if we're going to be NCAA tournament good next year, which I think should be the goal for year two of any coach who's coaching at a program like Louisville. And there's just, there's nothing, the team is not getting all like that much better. I know they only lost by 12 to a whatever NC State team, which is the t- second time they've covered the spread, but they're not getting better. They, we're not getting explanations for what's happening. We're, we're not killing it and recruiting in 2023 the the 2024 kids that have been listing us as you know in in their top six top five whatever who have visited campus we're not leading for any of them Elliot Cadeau just committed to North Carolina who we made a big show for like we're not getting any of these players that we thought we were going to get like tell me why it's going to get better and not just better as far as like next year we could win 12 or 13 games 
how is it going to get to the point from the lowest of the lows right now to where when things are firing on all cylinders under Kenny Payne, Louisville is back to competing for national titles, and Payne is viewed as one of the best coaches in college basketball because that's the standard here. Like, we don't want to – the goal is not in three or four years to get into the NCAA tournament as a nine seed and lose in the first round and have that be okay. This is – I'll say it again. This is Louisville for Christ's sake. Like, like right. we are, expect to be in the mix for a national title just about every year, and it's hard in this moment in time – to foresee going from this lowest of lows to at some point, hopefully not like 10 years from now, being national title good again under this direction, something yeah. and I mean, has to change. Yeah. Sometimes, I mean, you know, it's all right to just be like, hey, it, it is what it is. It, it didn't work out. I mean, I know this is different comparisons. I mean, hell, the Broncos, they just fired Hackett. You know, he ha- he hasn't finished one year. That was an abject disaster. Um, you know, I'm going way back here, but I remember early 90s, the Reds hired Tony Perez, well-loved figure, first baseman for Big Red Machine, won two titles, you know, greatest teams ever, a beloved figure in Cincinnati. I think he managed like 40 games in season one. They gave him the axe in 90. 90- this was 1993. Strike year, we had like the best record the next year. We made the playoffs in 95. So I'm just, these are just a couple examples, you know, I'm throwing out of, I know it's, you know, it's apples and oranges comparisons, but sometimes it's all right to just admit a mistake and say, hey, you know, I mean, we all love Kenny as a person. Um, You know, we're grateful for what he did for the university. And it maybe it is, uh, maybe we're not giving him the time, you know, for him to have like a fair shake. But unfortunately, from like what we've seen and so far on the court, off the court, and the stature of what our program is and what we stand for, I just don't think you can give him that long of a leash. It's just, it's been an abject disaster so far. I don't see it improving, unfortunately. Um, But I don't know. I mean, we can talk about this till we're blue in the face. I, I don't think... Unfortunately, I don't think anything's probably going to happen if it does until after the season, um, if at all. But I'm just, you know, I'm sad as a fan. I, I, I want to care again, and it seems like we're a long way um, away from caring about Louisville basketball the way we once did. Let me say this, too, because, I mean, we're still staring down. We've, we've got two-plus full months of this left. Like, like, we're not even at the halfway point of the season. It feels like we've been following this team for, for seven months. I don't judge any fan for handling this however they're handling it. Yeah. Like, there are some fans who are sitting who have blind optimism, who are like, we're going to get better this year, and we're going to be fine next year. There's some fans who are like, this is awful, it's not going to get better, but I'm going to sit here and watch every minute of every game because that's what I do. There's some fans who are like, I'm not watching games anymore. I don't judge any of you. I, I, I have my own. Like I, I've said it. I think we both said it on the podcast. Like you know, if this, if this team is two and twenty-eight at the end of the season, like I'm sitting there watching every second of game thirty-one, even if it's torture, just because that's, that's that's what I do. But if you're not going to do that, that's fine. Like I, I, none of us have ever been in this position before. This is new to everybody. We thought last year was bad. This that team was like ten and four at this time last year, and there was some hope that they could get things right enough to make the NCAA tournament. Um, it may have been small hope, but there was at least some hope. This is 
Like, we've never been losing to Lipscomb, App State, Wright State, Bellarmine. Four teams, by the way, are not, like, even good mid to low majors. Those are their bottom 250 teams just like us right now. Like, we've never been in this position. We can't. We haven't played a, t- a power conference opponent closer than 12 points. Like, like this is as bad as it's ever been. And so, like, as Louisville fans, we have no idea how to handle this. So, like, we're all just kind of swimming in these uncharted waters with no idea how to stop, you know, treading water, how to, how to avoid drowning here. So this is, like, I, everybody's at each other's throats. I, I'm fine. Like, I, I'm handling it as well as I can. But if you have a different mentality, like, that's I, – I don't judge anybody right now for where I, they are. I we agree. All... I agree with Go you ahead. on that sense. The only thing that like, – and I'm sure you've talked about it. Like, the people that, like, just want to defend their narrative, like, I mean, uh, we all know it. There was some huge KP defenders out there when it came to the coaching hire. <laughs> like these people, I don't know. I mean, they are what they are. Like on Twitter or wherever you see them, like they they were so gung ho about getting this guy in here. And I don't know what it would take for them to like actually be like, you know what? We made a mistake here. Like because we're at the point you don't now. Have to do I don't, that. Like you, you don't have to say we made a mistake, but you have to say like you can still say I think this is going to get better. But you have to admit that in the moment, like this is unacceptable. And I think right. there's some people out there who just won't do that. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a better way of putting it. I don't know. I I have a tough time, you know, seeing that stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, like you said, this is Louisville basketball. You know, it's it's the toughest situation, hopefully, that we're ever in. You know, I, it, it really can't go much lower. At least I've said that for the past three years, and it seems like it keeps going further and further down. But yeah, uh, this this has to be rock bottom. So I the the other thing that really is tough for Louisville fans to stomach right now is you look around and you see programs that were in similar situations who are. Yeah, it sucks. I mean, thriving is may not be the right word, but let, let's just say like. Wednesday night, Missouri, a team that had to overhaul his roster for different reasons than Louisville, but did so effectively. They dominate Kentucky. They've got one loss right now. Maybe the better example is LSU. They hire Matt McMahon, a guy who would have walked to Louisville to be the head coach, and he brings you know some transfers with him from Murray, gets a couple of other transfers. They're 12-1, and and they just beat an Arkansas team that I think dunked 75 times against us in Maui. Like They had the same recruiting restrictions that we did they had the same IARP cloud they had the same McMahon couldn't go to transfers or recruits and say definitively we're going to be eligible for the 2023 NCAA tournament he didn't know same thing with Kenny Payne all these same programs who had the same issues with recruiting and transfer portal that Louisville did all got guys and they're all having fine seasons Arizona Kansas may win a national title again this year. They're really good. Uh, NC State, Memphis, LSU, like none of them had issues. And to say that Louisville couldn't get guys because of the IRP is is just wrong. Like yeah. I'm sorry, it, it just is. We could have gotten players. We went after the wrong players and we didn't land them. And then we had no fallback plan. Like we just the portal, the, the roster was just totally mishandled. And we knew it this summer, and we've really seen. Even having said that, like, there's no reason for it to be this bad. We've got enough talent to, to, yeah, that's to the thing. Beat the it's the, of the, it's world. the on the on court stuff is making me more upset than the off court stuff. Like, I know the roster is what it is. We're not deep, you know. We 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 we're you know from a position standpoint, we're out of whack. Um, but like, 
Jeez. We don't play hard. I mean, <laughs> we I'll don't say play it again. hard. We, that's there the thing. No we don't play or, hard. Yeah, there's no rhyme or reason to what we do on offense. There's no continuity on defense. Uh, there, there, there's no heart. Um, you know, that that's for me. That That's all I need to see. The off-court stuff, it, hey, maybe that'll get better. I have no idea. We're really digging ourselves a hole here. But, uh, you know, I just, I just think we may have – gambled on a guy who has no head coaching experience and unfortunately it's it's really you know rearing its ugly head right now the last thing on the basketball front before we we move on and i don't know i know you're in columbus you don't see the people living and dying with every piece of news like like it is here in town but so kenny Payne has not done two of his last three radio shows he sent somebody in his place the one time that he did do the radio show i think he showed up late which is not a great look, and that's been a problem too. Like the the messaging from the U of L basketball coaches program in general has not been has not been good. You're trying to alleviate the fears. You're trying to you know instill some confidence in the fan base that you know what's going on, and they more times than not have not done a good job of that. But so Danny Manning, your boy, goes in KP's place this week for his his coaches show, and he gets asked by Paul Rogers, you know. How did you guys handle the holidays? A lot of coaches do things differently sometimes. Like Rick Pitino's philosophy was to practice on Christmas. He loved making up ground during the winter break when there was no class to worry about. The players were fully focused, all that stuff. John Calipari typically sends the kids home for the 24th and the 25th and gets them back on the 26th. And Danny Manning just straight up says, you know, we played NC State on the 22nd. This is a show that was recorded on the 27th and says, we haven't practiced. We haven't seen the team we're not going to practice for the first time until tomorrow. So the kids basically got a full week off. Um, Manning gets asked, you know, I- I'm sure you sent the kids home. You probably had like a, a workout regimen for them or, you know, something to stay in shape, something that- to keep tabs on. He's like, yeah, we like, I think the players, they, they, they know now what KP expects of them. We, we trust them to do their own thing. We're- it was just very like, again, it gave the sense of just disorganization and, a full week off seems a little bit much given the way that the team is played right now. But at the same time, like I said this on the show too, like what do you have to lose? Like, like whatever we've been doing hasn't been working. So I, like, I'm not even that mad about it because I don't think it's going to change anything one way or the other, but it was just an eye opener where it was like, really guys, like, what are we doing here? Yeah. I mean, I, geez, I don't even really have anything to add to that. That's, that's tough to hear. Um, but like you said, you know, I don't think – I mean, obviously, I w- you want them to get better and, and things of that nature, but we're already pretty thin as it is. So maybe that was their thinking is, you know, giving these guys some fresh legs. But, um, yeah, I, 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 missed, <laughs> I missed the days when I knew things were, were buttoned up and everything were, was in order right now. I mean, it's, it's just hard to trust the staff and, and their vision and their plan for – for how things are being run over there. I mean, let's be real. Like Rick Pitino, he definitely took the, we're going to practice our asses off during the holiday break. No breaks, like no Christmas is going to be here. And it didn't work well before the UK game. The team always played tight. Maybe this is the right approach. Maybe we're going to reap the benefits on Saturday, but it just, it it struck me as, as unusual. I miss, you know what I miss about this game? Like, the most and i feel like we haven't done it in a while like i miss like the days when we would like match up our players against theirs where i'm like oh man like 
you know, you know, Dean versus Sparks or, you know, T will versus uh, Joe Crawford or like that. God, I love yeah. doing that before the games like this. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Like, you know, let's just, let's just try to keep it within 15. Do you think Casey Wallace is ready for Hersey Miller? Um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Oh, this sucks. Oscar Sheboy versus Sidney Curry, who God knows what shape he's going to come back in after being home on by himself for a full week. I'm dead serious. Uh, Just uh, after watching like UK the other night, and like you know, Oscar is what he is. He's a beast. Um, I know UK struggling. I honestly think the most success we could have is to put up about 43 pointers and just hope that we get hot. Like that's, I'm like, go ahead and start chucking guys. Let's just see what happens. Like that's kind of where I'm at with this game. It worked against Western one time. Why can't it work again? against Exactly. uh, That's, that's how I I, I think there's maybe if there's a sliver of a path, I I feel like that would be a, if we also somehow don't double Sheboy in the post, I'm going to lose my fucking (laughs) mind because this has been like like what teams have done effectively against Kentucky so far is they have like Sheepway is he's really good. He's not great against double teams. He's not a terrific passer. So teams have just swarmed him in the post and when that happens you've got to leave somebody wide open and dare them to to beat you. Yeah. And for every team it's been Jacob Toppin. They're just le- nobody's even guarding Jacob Toppin and he's not done anything to take advantage. And if we come out and we let like Sid Curry go one-on-one with Sheepway in the post and and we're like Huntley Hatfield's all over Toppin. I'm going to I, – I may have to turn the game off at that point. So, yeah, hopefully that, we do that and hopefully scene. we follow that. Do we know – is, Fre- is Frederick playing? I know he hurt his fingers the other night. I haven't seen. I, I saw – I know he got hurt in the, the Missouri game. I haven't seen any sort of update. Um, does it matter? Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I know. Because <laughs> he playing? Ah, yeah. right. 18 points. <laughs> I mean, you could tell me, like, Wheeler Wallace and – Sheway are out tomorrow, and I'd be like, "Well, yeah, it takes the spread from twenty-two to, to maybe fourteen. Yeah, uh, I still don't. I still don't feel great about our chances. It's just, wow. it is what it is. All right, let's talk football. We've got uh, Jeff Brom making waves in the transfer portal, doing his thing. We, I think, knew this was going to happen. It was the, the worst kept secret in Louisville when Jack Plummer announced he was transferring from from uh, from California. Every Louisville writer, every recruit person was like, "Well." There's your quarterback for 2023, and he made it official on Wednesday that uh, he's going to be coming to Louisville for his final season of eligibility. And Plummer, he's not one of those guys that has like you know redshirt senior, but he's got four years of eligibility left. This he's got one season of college football remaining. He's going to spend that season here. That now takes Louisville's. If you're looking at the transfer portal tracker, 24/7 Sports they do rankings for this, and they've got Louisville right now at number 16 as far as the teams that have done the best in the portal so far. Louisville gets Plummer from Cal. They get Marquise uh, Groves Killebrew, cornerback from Texas A&M, earlier this week. They got Jaden Thompson, a wide receiver from Cincinnati. Uh, Jimmy Callaway, the wide receiver from Tennessee. Miles Slusher, uh, safety from Arkansas, who's a top 30 overall player in the portal, according to the, the rivals' rankings. Devin Neal, for, uh, secondary from, from Baylor, started nine games this past season, had a couple of interceptions. Rodney McGraw uh, from Penn State, defensive lineman, who – didn't play much at Penn State, but was a highly touted recruit. And then Stephen Heron, the the Trinity product, who was a big time contributor at linebacker for Stanford for the last several years, who's going to come in here. We did. I mean, we've lost a number of players from the portal. The big one. I mean, Mark Bassett, fucking primes coming in here and taking our punter, which is that, annoying. yeah, that's that was like very underrated for us last year. How I didn't like it. He was great. I mean, he has the. Uh, I think according to Kelly Dickey, he's Louisville's all time leading punter. <laughs> 
in terms of average for guys that have had at least 100 punts in their career. So losing him, I mean, I don't know why every great punter doesn't go to Colorado, though. You get the thin air. Yeah. It helps your stats. Like, go for it. Nicario Harper, we lost to Illinois. Safety, he's a, a big deal. Travion Cooley, the running back, we'll see him in game one next year. Uh, he went to Georgia Tech. We also lost Jalen Mitchell. We don't know where he's transferring yet, but the other running back. The other, only other, like, huge losses, I think. Caleb Banks is a defensive lineman. That, that one, that really one stung a little bit. He looked like he was up and coming and going to be a stud on that line for a while. It sucks. It sucks losing him, and he ended up going to Florida. Luke Kandra would have started for us last year on the offensive line. Yeah. He's going to Cincinnati. And then Dorian Jones, who who played decent time at linebacker this past year, would have played more this coming season. He also went to Cincinnati. It is telling, though. Like You look at the transfers that we've had. You look at the recruits. Like Only a couple of recruits flipped to Cincinnatti, and now only a couple of players are following Satterfield to Cincinnati. It does kind of reinforce the notion that – the players were loyal to certain coaches and to the program, but maybe not necessarily to Scott Satterfield, um, which makes you feel, feel feel good about things. But just overall right now, Dan, there's excitement here. I think the the fans are, are, are pumped about the guys that we've been able to add. I think we still need to look to add a couple of offensive linemen and maybe a big-time talent at wide receiver. But Brahms' ability to keep the recruiting class mostly intact. You only lose DeAndre Moore. Uh, and, and and Ruben Owens, those are the two big names that leave. But you still maintain top 25 status, which as of right now, it's the first top 25 class Louisville's ever had in football. And now you have a top 20 transfer class coming in. It's it's off to a, a very solid start here. and People are understandably excited. Oh, my gosh. Like, I am – I mean, geez, I'm so pumped about football. It's unbelievable. Um, and, and the best part about it, like, not that we didn't think Brom – could recruit by any means I, I guess you know I didn't really keep tabs a ton on on his recruiting at Purdue I know he would come in and grab local guys obviously Rondell Moore um, and he had a pretty heavy presence in like the Kentucky area but I guess if there was one thing where I was like yeah I'm kind of interested to see like how he does it might have been on the recruiting trail or the transfer portal and stuff like that but like the best part about it is like He's a proven commodity as a coach. Like, we've seen it. We've seen it at Western. We've seen it at Purdue. Like, we know he can coach his ass off. Um, so the fact that, like, we seem to be bringing in some, some you know, very nice talent coupled with the fact that, you know, I already think we have, uh, you know, some studs on the roster, especially, um, you know, on, on the defensive front side of the ball um, and on the offensive front, it, I, I, I totally – and buying into everything that's going on with the program. I, I told you last podcast, you know, the one position where I was like, hey, I'm not like super worried about who we bring in, even though it's probably like the most important position on the field is quarterback because I feel like Jeff knows it so well and he knows what he's looking for in a guy. Um, and I think this is perfect. I mean, you bring in a guy who's going to be there for, we know a year, a guy that knows the offense already. So there's not going to be a huge learning curve. Um, and it gives, you know, Clarkson a, a chance to, and Caleb Johnson. I mean, we, who knows, he could turn out to be a stud. Like we haven't really heard too much from him, but that, that, that gives those guys a, a chance to sit back and kind of learn the offense a little bit, um, while we have a proven commodity, uh, that's running it now um, saying that I'd say like out of any like college, you know, power five school, 
Like Cal football is probably like on the bottom of like teams I least pay attention to. So I say all this, like <laughs> I don't really, I have, I don't have a lot of Jack Plummer film. I haven't watched a lot of his games. So, um, but from what people are saying, um, you know, I, I think he's not just serviceable. I, I would say what they're saying, he's a little uptick above that, but I'm just glad we have someone that's coming in that already knows the offense. I think that's going to be a huge plus. So I trust what Jeff's doing there. The only time that I watched extended Cal football this year live was I watched a lot of their game against Notre Dame, mainly because I wanted to see if Notre Dame could actually win. I think that they were 0-2 at that point or 0-3. And uh, the only thing that I remember, I remember seeing that he had a big arm, but he was under so much pressure constantly. And that's if you go and watch highlights from his season, that's a pretty consistent theme. They threw the ball a ton. I mean, he threw the ball over 40 times, I think, in three different games. He threw it over 30 in every game but two. Like, and he didn't have a whole lot of time to like let deep routes develop. Like he, he basically had to get the ball out of his hands in like a split second if he wasn't going to get hit. He got sacked 31 times last year. He was on his ass a bunch. And I think that you you look at the tools, you look at the fact that he knows Jeff Rahm and he knows the system, and it does make you, I think, confident that he can do more with hopefully a better offensive line. And I, you, you also hope better weapons around him than he had at Cal. Because um, he definitely, he's got the arm strength. He reminds you a little bit of Aiden O'Connell, the guy who ended up beating him out at Purdue and who Jeff Rahm turned into a very high, capable college quarterback last season. Um, I, I think that the system can work. I think he can be a good quarterback. Maybe not. A, he's not going to fit in as well as some guys that we've had over the years. But I think he's a guy who absolutely, with his schedule, can get you to seven, eight wins next season, which would be a solid starting point for Jeff Brom. I mean, what's your? We can we can shelve this conversation after this because we're going to take some questions that will I think hit on some other points. Year one, we don't play Florida State. We don't play Clemson in the ACC schedule. We do play Notre Dame. We'll play what should be another pretty good Kentucky team again at the end of the year. We'll play Indiana, who could be okay, uh, although Jeff Brom owned them at Purdue. It's not the most difficult schedule that Louisville has faced, although you never know how the middle of the ACC is going to be, but on paper it doesn't look like it's going to be as tough as last year's schedule. What's the what's the bar for Jeff Brom in year one? What are your expectations, still not knowing what the full roster is at this point in time? Yeah, I mean, you're going to hate this answer. Like I, I said the same thing before Kenny Payne, like, I, you know, I think it's going to be different. Kenny Payne, like had never coached a game. So I was like, Hey, I want to see on the court, like how we play our style of play. Like I'm not as worried about wins and losses with Brahm. I am more worried about wins and losses because, you know, obviously we know what he's capable of and we've seen him coach before. So um, but I, it also does take a little bit of time to implement a new system. So there might be more of a learning curve than maybe some fans are, uh, you know, kind of, I, I think fans are expecting like a eight, nine win turnaround, you know, overnight. And I'm not saying that's unrealistic. Like, I really don't know. Um, you know, I, I'm going to give them a little bit of leash the, the first couple of weeks. Cause sometimes, like I said, it takes a little bit, but like you said, the schedule is a little bit easier. Um, I, I think it would be disappointing if we didn't win at least, I would say, six games. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I think seven, eight, you know, it, is realistic. Um, but I, I think the roster still needs to add, like you said, a couple more pieces, and then we can kind of really dive into the schedule and figure that out a little bit more. 
Yeah, I'm in the same place. I, I think that going to a bowl game has to be the bar. If, if you're talking about, I mean, I, I like Jeff a lot. I think he's going to be successful here. But if he doesn't go to a bowl game in year one, will I be a little bit critical? Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I, I think that he should, he should go to a bowl game in year one. I think you should be as good as you were last year at the very least. Um, win seven games. Uh, eight would be nice. More would be obviously very nice. But I'm with you. I think I think we're about on the same page there. Let's talk right, let, let's, real uh, quick before we jump into questions. Go, go, go ahead. Ron English, okay. Okay. I mean, things have changed. You know, we 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 had him during the Cragthorpe era. I cannot get the Rutgers game in Piscataway out of my mind. The biggest drubbing I've ever seen in my life. Um, I he was the defensive coordinator for that game, correct? Am I am I dreaming of that? He was in 08, the second Cragthorpe season. Yeah. I think that's when we just, like, got absolutely tr- trounced by I believe that was the, the Mike Teal seven touchdown passes in the first half game, yes. Exactly. So, you know, things have changed. It, it seems like he had, I don't want to say huge success at Purdue, but I think he, he's he been a serviceable defensive coordinator. It sounds like, obviously, Jeff trusts him to bring him along. Um, I don't know what's your what's your overall thought of in a Ron English led defense. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's absolutely a valid concern that some Louisville fans have. Purdue didn't set the world on fire defensively when Jeff was there, and and Ron English. Not only did he not have a great run in his one year as defensive coordinator here, he went on to be a head coach and was yeah bad at Eastern Michigan. It was a colossal failure for him there. The I know that Keith Wynn has been breaking down some defensive tape from Purdue recently, and he's kind of he's, he's like they it's sort of a bland system. They don't do a whole lot of stunting. They don't do a whole lot of blitzing. He'd like to see some things change a little bit. It's one of the reasons why I'm really glad that Mark Ivey is hanging around the defensive line coach who led the defense in the bowl game against Cincinnati. I think he can help out a little bit and maybe add some wrinkles that will help Ron English and company on, on that side of the ball, especially given that he knows the personnel on the defensive line, which was so successful this past year. That makes me feel confident. I think it's also, we haven't gotten any clarification. English was announced officially as a defensive assistant. He was not named defensive coordinator. I think that's probably a formality, um, but there is a little bit of interest on my end there to see exactly how that, that winds up shaking out. But I'm, I mean, I certainly, I'm, I'm not going to say like I'm, wildly enthusiastic about bringing the defensive staff from Purdue here because it was not great. Um, it wasn't terrible either. I think you have to say that. But especially given how much momentum we have on the defensive side of the ball after last year, you'd love to have seen some of that carry over. And it's why – it's honestly, it's why I'm so excited that, that Ivy is staying. But um, but we'll see. I mean, I, I'm not going to judge too harshly until we actually start playing some games. No, 100%. Right, take, uh, I mean, it seems like – and this is just reading between the lines here. It seems like – Maybe his defense works well if you have some like absolute studs playing on that side of the ball because he had success at Michigan, um, but he also had some like guys that like played in the league for a long, long time. So, you know, if maybe it's one of those things if we have talent on that side of the ball that his, you know, his scheme works very well. But yeah, I'm kind of with you. Like, I'm not like, you know, doing cartwheels that we brought the defensive staff here, but. Um, you know, I guess we'll wait and see how it how it works out here in year one. Uh, let's take some questions here. We'll get to as many of these as we can before we we don't, we don't want to go too long here on the pod. But 
Uh, Sports Junkie 812 says, Jack Plummer or Clarkson getting the starting job? Who do you think gets the first team reps? And will we know by the spring game who gets the QB1 spot? I mean, I'm I'm assuming Jack Plummer's going to get the job in year one. And that if it's a Pierce Clarkson's good enough to play right away situation, they bring him along slowly as the season progresses. I mean, remember, you can play four games and still keep your red shirt. Right. So they can, they can get Clarkson a little bit of experience. I'm also like... What do we know about Caleb Johnson? Right, he's on the team. Exactly. We've got no idea if he's any good. This is an area, and you sort of touched on this earlier, this is an area where I just kind of trust Jeff. Like, like, if he comes in here in the spring and sees that Caleb Johnson is a dude, like, he's going to play Caleb Johnson. Like, he's not going to be beholden to, to Pierce Clarkson or Steve Clarkson or anybody. I think that his plan is probably let Jack Plummer be the man this year, get Clarkson some reps, and then if he's good enough, hand him the reins next season as a redshirt freshman. But we'll see. Like, I, I can't, I'd love for Clarkson to be good enough to be thrown right into the fire as a true freshman, but that's so rare. I mean, think about like Teddy Bridgewater and Lamar Jackson, two of the best quarterbacks we've ever had, two quarterbacks that are going to be starting NFL games this weekend if Lamar's healthy enough. And like, not only did they not start right away as true freshmen, but once they did get the, true, the starting job as true freshmen, they struggled. Like, like, they, like Teddy, his first, uh, after he comes in and, and sets the world on fire against UK, he turns right around and loses to Marshall the next week and then starts against North Carolina. We score seven points and didn't score until the, the closing seconds of that game. Lamar was was battling with Kyle Bolin. You forget, like, Lamar Lamar did not start the last regular season game of the year. Kyle Bolin was the starter against Kentucky, and then Lamar came in, saved the day, got the start in the Music City Bowl, but he had he'd lost the starting job by the end of his freshman year. It takes – it's very rare for a true freshman to be good enough to play the quarterback position – and do it well right out of the gate. So I think bringing him along slowly is probably – that's going to wind up being Jeff Rom's plan. Yeah. I, I I trust, from a quarterback standpoint, every decision that Jeff and, and Brian are going to make back there. If, you know, obviously they're kind of Brian. the – Yeah, I don't trust Brian. No, I'm kidding. Um, but, you know, they're kind of the quarterback gurus. And um, I, I think it would be – I mean, if, if, if Clarkson was the day one starter – I, I mean, I, for me, at least from where I'm sitting, that would like speak volumes like, holy shit, this kid's the real deal. But I'm kind of with you. Um, you know, I think they're going to see what they have in, in Johnson and, and Clarkson. But I just think with Plummer's familiarity, um, at least day one, you know, he's going to be the starter. And then I think we'll see, you know, how they kind of work the other guys in from there. Mike Farley saw, says, uh, is there a world or a path where we fill the oven without relying on being a top 10 team? Um, going to be tough. It's a big, gonna be tough. it's a big stadium. I mean, it is like, uh, I mean, we've been a top, we were, we were a top 10 team in the unexpanded Papa John's Cardinal stadium. And we weren't selling out back then unless it was, you know, number five Louisville versus number three, West Virginia or games like that. It's, 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 it, and now it's a, it's a different beast. Yeah, we've had this conversation before. Attendance is an issue across the country. It's going to be very tough to get a true, not an announced, but a true, true sellout at that expanded stadium. I, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's a, a knock on the program or you know the team or anything like that. Like it's just a, you know, it, like I said, it's a very large stadium. Attendance numbers are trending down. Um, but I, I do think we're, we're definitely, I mean, from all accounts of what we heard and season ticket sales, go, you know, kind of going bonkers lately, I, I, I think we're going to see increased crowds 
right off the bat. And then, hey, if you have success the first couple games, who knows, you know, if, if, if we have like a pretty big game, like right in the middle of the season, we might be able to sneak in a sellout or two. You never know. Uh, new JV Bells 270 says, who should the next coach be? Um, Mark Gottfried. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, that that's another whole bag of issues. Like, I mean, we're, we're trending so far down. Like, I'm like, who's going to, I mean, I know it's Louisville, but like, who's going to want to build this back up? I know the transfer portal, you know, hey, whoever comes in, if we do bring somebody in, like, let's please use it this time. But, um, you know, would still be interested. Who? A, a tiny man who has a top five team out there on the West Coast. Would he? Oh, Mick? Are you kidding me? Yeah, of course he would. Man, like, I, I feel like he seems like someone that would, like, hold a grudge that, you know, the first time around he didn't get the job. Um, but You're thinking of Kevin Willard. You're not thinking of <laughs> Kevin Willard is absolutely holding a grudge. Yeah, I know. Mick Cronin, I think, would, like Matt McMahon, probably walk here for the job. Don't tell me that. I mean, he was my number one choice, so I don't even want to hear that. I, we like, all know you're the only person in Louisville who was mixed stand twenty four seven. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll save that fight for another day. But um, yeah, I don't know. Like as much as I like dogging the team, you know, and I know it was a question we got to answer. And I hate, it, it, you know, discussing other candidates when we have a guy here. But unfortunately, I guess that's where we're at right now. Yeah, I mean it's it's we you can't do it seriously. Yeah, either. although the, oh the Jay Wright rumors somebody has a new oh, one here every we single go. day. Yep. You knew it was going to happen. Yep. Like I, I called it when the season started. You knew it was going to happen, and here we are. You know they you know Josh Hurd and Jay Jay Wright are friends. You know they used to work together. I'm gonna walk away from a perennial dynasty <laughs> and march right back into two and twenty eight. You ready for me to come back, guys? Jeez. The man loves a challenge, Dan. <laughs> Uh, Cardsfan922 says, uh, Charlie Strong, Puna Ford, DeAndre Moore, and the volleyball team, when does Texas supplant Wake Forest as our most bitter rival Great that no question. one else in the country knows about? Yeah. Well, they also, I mean, they, they took, remember they beat us out for Marcus Carr, they beat us out for Tyrese Hunter, they they took a couple of recruits for, I mean, Chris Beard has been, he took Jemias Ramsey from us when he was at Texas Tech, like, they've been... They've been doing some shit to us for a, a long time now. Are they kinda, one of the yeah. schools that kept us out of the Big 12? Did they vote against us? Do we know this? Oh, I'm sure they did yeah. because we weren't football enough for them. Like, that was hmm. – yeah, fuck Texas. Yeah. That, that's, the, that's, that, that's the end all statement. Fuck Texas, fuck. but let's not schedule them in uh, basketball anytime soon. <laughs> They've lost five games or more nine times in the last 12 years in football. Why would you go play there? Yeah, fuck exactly. Them. They lost last night. I, I do say this. Like, the DeAndre Moore – I mean – Things are different now. Like, I, I hope our fan base isn't tweeting bad at this kid because he could, you know, ride the pine for a year at Texas and be like, ah, I'm out of here. So I hope we, yeah. you know, keep in good faith with this kid and maybe he'll end up here in the long run. Especially if the other Bosco kids are, you know, yeah. and thriving in a couple of years. Yeah, you, That's the thing. Like, you never, if you lose a recruit these days, like, yeah, you, you never want to tweet bad stuff to him because they may be available 12 months from now is, is there know. any pressure on jeff to maybe play these bosco kids like more than maybe he would want to to kind of i don't know i don't i don't even know what you call it like keep that west coast connection going i don't think so yeah i, I think that he i mean first of all i think that the like 
McLean and Williams are good enough that they're going to see the field on their own. Yeah. And we'll see what happens with Clarkson. But like, I, Jeff's not that kind of guy. I know. I, I think you're he's right. Not, he's not going to let anybody hold him hostage. Like, he's he's going to play the guys that he thinks are the best. Like, that's just who he is. And if guys want to leave, I'm sure he'll say, we can go out and get players that I can make just as good as you. Yep. Uh, Keith Norton says, would you rather the Cars beat Kentucky tomorrow or make the NCAA tournament by winning the ACC tournament? Well, either one of those things would be hilarious. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, the, the ACC going, tournament would be unbelievable. I'm going with ACC tournament. As, as funny as it would be to beat UK and, like, just send Cal over the edge, winning the ACC tournament and going to the NCAA like, being the ACC champion and still being, like, a 15 seed would be <laughs> would be what if we like we could be the ACC champion and play in the first four like we could be like the 16th seed that has to play in the first four and it'd be one of the funniest things of all time if I'm we, going if with we won the, the ACC tournament. tournament it would be one of the more like fun four days for a Louisville fan base of all time oh it'd be five days it'd be, it <laughs> yeah would, oh yeah it would, it would be, be five, five days right. yeah we're out of avoiding that Tuesday <laughs> we, we we book your tickets now we are playing on ACC tournament Tuesday um Book the hotels. That would be awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm going with conference tournament. Yeah, uh, same boat here. Ch- Choppa says, "I just found out I'm going to be a father. Any advice, Dan? I'll let you. You're the more experienced of the two of us here. Oh go gosh, um, any advice? Don't do the generic. Don't do the generic. Like, get your sleep in now. Yeah, Everybody I know. I would. You know, jeez. Like, I'm trying to think of a witty answer, but I don't have one off the top of my head. Like. Uh, Get comfortable with having shit on your yeah, hands because ex- it's going to happen. <laughs> You're exactly right. I mean, geez, we're we're a big like we're a big routine family, and it's weird because my brother's not like they just take their kids like on a whim like anywhere, and I'm kind of jealous. I wish like we had the capabilities of like doing that. Um, but yeah, just do whatever works for you, man. Like go to the bar if you feel like that's a thing to do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing that came become, to mind. Become an alcoholic, whatever floats your boat, man. Like really, it doesn't matter here. Pick up a habit, yeah. just whatever. Yeah, whatever you want to do, man. I know. What's a, the worst I know a guy. You you, possibly yeah, give. Send me a DM. I know a guy. If you're looking to get up some crazy shit, <laughs> your advice for being a father was literally do whatever you want to do. <laughs> I mean, really, it is. I, I mean, you're a father. You can do what you want to do. I mean, like, hell, I make decisions. It is what it is. Could not have been worse advice. Uh, Good luck, by the way. Texas... <laughs> yeah, congratulations. <laughs> Can't wait to... We're all very happy for you. Yeah. Um, Bobby Hawkins says, what's the more changing hire, Dan McDonald or Danny Busman Kelly? I mean, they both yeah. just revitalized. Program. I would argue that, that baseball had had less success than volleyball. They, I mean, neither one of them had done anything remotely close to what they've been doing under their direction. But I'll go baseball just because we've seen more of it from McDonald over a longer period of time. But Busman Kelly, yeah, taking Louisville volleyball from, like, a perennial good team to, like, national powerhouse. And they're going to be really good again next year. They'll, they'll have a solid chance to win a national title. They return a lot of women from that team. Um, there's no wrong answer there, but I'll, I'll say McDonald's. Did, you, if I, did I read your text wrong? Did you say that no female coach had ever won an NCAA title in volleyball? Yeah, in that nuts. That's like the most mind blowing thing. Like I, I didn't believe that at all. I was like, "There's no way." But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, they let you know if you watch the broadcast. They, 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 they hammered that one up. Yeah, I mean, 
Jeez. I don't know. I, that's a good question. I, I would say it's a toss-up. They've both just done amazing things, and they've, they've definitely sparked fans' interest in, you know, kind of both sports that back in, I would say, probably 80s, early 90s that, you know, we didn't really pay too much mind to. Did you also know that Louisville was the first ACC team to play in the national championship game? They I knew that. that one I did well. know that. They mentioned that one about 17,000 times. Yeah. Uh, Keith Pointer says, were you as surprised as I was that Jeff Greer cursed twice on his podcast and you didn't at all? Uh, yeah, I, mean, I I always am hesitant to just start cussing on other people's podcasts because I'm not sure what their like stance is. The only exception is when like Tyson Tate have me on because they want to make fun of Louisville. And so right away, I'm like, I'm fucking up your whole thing. Like they, They've had to, <laughs> to tone down the language now that they got the contract, the, the, their Fox employees. Yeah. And so they're always like, you can do it, but like, keep it limited. So the last time I came on, I was just shitting fucking everything. Like I, I was like, I don't. It was like, if you're gonna make me come on here and tell jokes about the shitty basketball program, then I'm gonna, uh, I'm going to drop a few fucks. That's what's going to happen. Um, Sean Vinsel, Hoops Insight says, if you had to keep three players who have remaining eligibility next year on the basketball team, which three would you pick? And assume that Ellis and Curry are both going to use their COVID year. I think Ellis and Curry both have. Technically, I think they still have two years of eligibility left, so they w- they can come back next season. But if we had three guys that can come back for next year, I'll let you go first, Dan. I didn't want to go first. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to answer this one. Uh, oh my god, I don't even. I mean, whew, let me think here. Is it like? I mean, God. I'm going to go with guys just so, like, I guess we don't even really know anything about. Like, I'm going to go with, like, Fabio. I'm going to go with Devin Ree. Um, and, jeez. Like, I'll, I'll go with Sid just because, like, I want to see what, like, a coach who, like, actually gets in somebody's ass does with him. I'm going to let that one linger for a second. Um we could not be on more di- we could not be on more different pages here i'm, I'm gonna go mike james i thought kamari lands and ella i'm going mike james kamari lands and ellis uh, oh i forgot about kamari i'm an idiot um yeah i'm, I'm bringing those three back all right I'm, I'm i'm give me uh take out uh devon Ree, and then give me fabio uh, Kamari and Sid. Like, I'm not dogging L, um, but that's fine. Like, I, I don't know. I, I've seen two years. Like, I, I he plays a certain way, and I, I, I even with a new coach, I, I think he just plays so loose and reckless. I don't know if that can be reined in. He also doesn't have a choice right now. I mean, yeah. It's like when when the offense is basically like you're the guard, go out there and do shit. Then he's you're gonna see what you're seeing. I think he can be a capable player if he could play off the ball. I still, I mean, I said it all summer. I'll, I'll still say it now he's not a point guard. He's, right. he's not. He can be a serviceable two, but you need somebody. He he has never played alongside like a real true point guard who can do the things that a, a point guard is supposed to be able to do. And I'd like to see him in that system, but. Yeah, he would have to. It'd be a tough adjustment for him next year if we had like a loaded roster, a complete roster, to say like you went from being one of the highest usage players in America to like we need you to rein it in significantly 
and play within the system. I'm sure that would be tough, but I, he plays hard. I'll give him that. Like I, I, I like watching him. He's frustrating at times for sure, but the effort's always there. It seems like he cares. Uh, I'd bring him back for another year. Uh, Dom says, would you rather beat UK in basketball and lose every remaining game or win six more games to end the season? Oh, God, beat UK and lose Yeah, 100%. Game. Like, With six games, I'm going to do a thing, so... Who cares about going eight and what would it be eight and twenty three? Yeah, that's not gonna that's not gonna. Although, like you know, UK. Be, I don't know if this is there a difference between like saving the coach's job between like three wins and eight wins because like as bad as it sounds, I, I I do feel like some fans are like, all right, let's let this get as bad as possible so there's like no choice for the AD but to make a change here, and like if they got to eight wins, it's like, well, I, you know. Now we 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 went we might have to keep him around for another year. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud. Um, LSF says, is it true that Payne doesn't want to utilize NIL to fully recruit players? If so, why not? The NIL thing has become it's become an area where we need to have clarity. Um, I had a I had a conversation like three weeks ago, I guess, with Mark Spiegel, who's the running the, runs the U of L Collective, the five hundred two circle, and he was saying, I mean. He's saying Kenny Payne's got money to work with. Like he's got a pool of NIL money to work with, and his stance is that Payne just hasn't been clear on his messaging, which has again been a, a consistent problem since he got here. But Payne has said repeatedly at multiple venues he doesn't want to use NIL in any sort of pay-for-play situation. He likes using it, but he wants kids to come here and earn that money first. He, he basically doesn't want to say we're going to give you $200,000 to come here and sign with us. He wants kids to sign with Louisville and then earn their NIL while they're active players, which is fine, except nobody else is, is doing it that way. Like that's in a perfect world. Sure. That sounds great. It should work that way. But as of right now, kids are being offered stuff, especially transfers who feel like they've already earned that money. Like they, they're going to places for a bigger spotlight. I see, I see having that stance with high school kids, but if you're Tyrese Hunter, who's been the, the Big 12 freshman of the year, and you're saying, look, Texas is offering me a million dollars to come play there, what are you going to do? I kind of understand that more than a 17-year-old kid or an 18-year-old kid saying that. The issue, like Spiegel said, Josh Hurd put out that message a few weeks ago about NIL, which I think really resonated with the fan base. It drove some interest to the 502 circle. He said Kenny Payne was going to do something similar. I'd like to see that because I think – with the season going so poorly and with recruiting not going the way that we thought it was going to and people being very concerned about his stance on NIL, we need some clear messaging from him on what exactly his stance is because, again, we need some reason to feel better about the future. And so I'm, I'd am i like right. to hear that from him. Yeah, I mean, if the coaching staff, like, had some sort of plan of how they were going to do things, we've already gotten far enough along to where it's like, all right, well, you know, we might have to scrap this and and just go with like the, hey, you know, we're gonna play along in the in the fishbowl with everybody else and and dig our heels into this nil game. Um, you know, it's nice to have thoughts of you know running a program a certain way when you come in and you're like, this is how we're gonna do it, but obviously that didn't work out. So, um, and I'm not even saying that's the way Kenny and them were doing it. We just haven't really got a clear message. So. Uh, no. I'm with you. I'd like to hear something um, on that as well. Uh, Southern Cards says, how do I convince my four-year-old that Louisville basketball is better than Kentucky basketball when all she knows is bad Louisville basketball? My heart hurts, Mike. It hurts bad. Well, here's the thing. 
let's not forget this. Louisville has not lost to Kentucky in the COVID era. This is true. It was, it was pre-COVID. It was pre-COVID the last time Kentucky beat Louisville in men's basketball, or women's basketball for that matter. We've won five straight over them in women's basketball, have not lost to them in, like, I don't know. I think Nixon was was about to resign the last time UK beat us. So it's been a long fucking time since we've lost the series. And if UK does get one on Saturday, fine. The, the rivalry was getting stale. Yeah, I, I was getting tired of, of being on the right side of this rivalry. So it's it'll be nice to have a little bit of flavor back into it. Yeah, we need UK to step up and make this a rivalry again. I'm sick of it just falling off and you know no one even cares about the game because we've dominated for what the last three years um so yeah it would be nice if uk maybe did their part every once in a while um you know and my heart does also hurt for your child um, by the way do you yeah same um all right i think we've we've rambled long enough here we've gone too long here do you have a day in the dumps before we end this thing (sighs) I got to go quick here just because my wife's getting ready to leave for work. The only bad thing is my daughter puked in front of a 40-person like buffet-style Christmas dinner on Christmas, <laughs> and I had to clean it up in my brand-new outfit. Like It was very embarrassing. Um, so we dealt with that on Christmas. And like we couldn't tell if she was sick or what. And like My brother Colin was like, Oh, I was just like upstairs twirling her around upside down for like five minutes. And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. Well, thanks a lot. Um, so, yeah, that was my day of the dumps. All right. Do you have a – we'll do quick predictions. I mean, do, I guess, do we even have to? Do, do we, I, 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 don't, I don't like saying that, like, Kentucky is going to do something positive. So, yeah. My, can we just say fuck Kentucky and get out of here? That's what I'm choosing to do. All right. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't. Uh, we, we always appreciate it. It's the best way to find out that new episodes are available. Give us a re- reading. Leave, leave us a review. It's always a good time. Go Cards. Beat UK. Fuck Kentucky. We'll talk to you guys next week. Have a happy 2022. We look forward to enjoying 2023, hopefully more, together. Go Cards. Go Cards.